this is actually a, a very big topic in my head. And if I look macro, the edges of it are pretty expansive, especially if we go back into history. Um, and uh, someone had recently asked me about my thoughts on this whole thing, and that's the uh, Jim DeCrag phenomenon that's happening or has been happening for a bunch of years now. So many people are now getting introduced into mountain sports through climbing gyms um, and then wanting to take that outside. And then what happens in that transition um, and how to facilitate that transition. And I've certainly seen a huge increase in that population that demographic in, in the work I do near where I live in the summertime where there's a lot more people now who are coming outside for the first time or maybe it's their, you know, second or third time. Like they've barely ever climbed outside. You know, they have their own harness. They might have their own shoes. Um, you know, they consider themselves climbers and they've climbed in the gym anywhere from like six months to a year and a half or something like that. Like it's like, they're part of the community and now they're transitioning to go outside. Um, and sometimes that's just for their first experience or sometimes it's like, I actually want to do this on my own outside. And then I certainly see a ton of people um, where I work who clearly are doing that on their own without the assistance of any education um, outside. So, and, 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 and to be honest, there's a, there's a, extra compounding factor where I work a lot in the summertime on these sea cliffs because it's all top managed with this big hazard like the ocean and, and people, most people aren't used to top managed systems. So I'm, I'm also seeing this demographic trying to go to a very techie specific place that requires some nuance of understanding um, and trying to figure that out on their own oftentimes. So I see a whole spectrum of like, wow, I can't believe these people are still alive to like, oh, they're doing a pretty good job, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I think the Jim DeCrack thing is really interesting. And I think you have to go back into history because if you think about the person who may be attracted to climbing mountains and rock climbing, you know, and just, just being outside, like it really attracted kind of a, a certain type of person who a thought this kind of very fringe counterculture activity seems interesting, but also really liked being outside and having this challenge outside and, you know, and all the technical things and there's social pieces that go in with that too. But, you know, and if someone actually signed up to learn how to rock climb, let's think about like a long time ago, let's say seventies, we'll say in the 1970s, right? You might find a guide service organization, maybe like the Appalachian Mountain Club um, or, you know, out West, there's certainly mountaineering organizations out there that provide some education, right? And you would go to this and you'd take a class and something, but the progression into the skills and the experience of actually climbing was a much longer progression. Like people would spend a day or two just practicing knots and coiling ropes and practicing belaying and before they even went rock climbing, right? Now I take someone who's never rock climbed, they show up at the shop and 
40 minutes later, they're rock climbing. Like they're tied in, you know, they're, they're doing the thing, you know, and maybe repelling, maybe starting to belay, maybe tying their own knot. Like the progression is so much faster now on average for someone getting into this um, as a first exposure. So, I mean, there's, there's classic examples, especially here on the East Coast of, you know, learning how to belay, right? And you're talking about like body belays and, um, you know, stitch plates, you know, stuff like that. Like once again, I'll just use the 70s, for example. And it's like, you literally had to like practice belaying enough. And your belay test in some areas was like catching a log that was dropped out of a tree before you were allowed to even like belay a human being. And this process could have, could have been weeks in the making, right? Now think about what the average belay lesson at, a, at the average climbing gym is probably like 20 minutes, right? And then you have a little bit of practice time and then the next day, you know, probably can come in and take in a, a, a belay test and you barely have it memorized, but you, you did it proficiently enough. And then like you just got a, a thumbs up and a card that says, hey, I'm belay certified on something that's life critical, a life critical skill, right? <laughs> um, so the, the progression into knowledge and people's expectation and desire in terms of the time frame is so much different now than it was. Even, I remember, even when I first started um, instructing and guiding in the mid 90s, like we would do these like introductory rock climbing weekends. So we'd take people out for two days. This was like college students in local um, communities. Uh, local members of the community and like we'd go and like one day was more slabby climbing the next day would be more steep climbing but we'd go to a crag and the first thing we do is we'd spend a couple hours like putting on harnesses talking about that you know learning how to tie in you know practicing that a bunch of time doing a big belay school like really kind of going into not every detail of belaying but the most pertinent ones for them at the moment you know before we got on the rock like we spent all day kind of just getting into that, you know, doing some demos, you know, practicing, you know, on flat ground, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, that would progress through the whole week and we would add things in as necessary. So like, even then, like the progression was a lot longer than it is today. And I think the gym is a very interesting environment. I, I actually feel very fortunate in the sense that I grew up in a time when there weren't really the climbing gyms like there are now. Like, were there climbing gyms when I first started climbing in the 90s, early 90s? Yes, but it wasn't like they're everywhere. And the, and the climbing gym experience was very different. It was either like kind of a dingy plywood homemade climbing wall like in a garage somewhere you know and it was pretty basic or it was like the climbing wall was kind of built to kind of mimic real rock and kind of give that experience like you know and not like the cleanest environment you know or whatever it's just kind of like a different aesthetic and then nowadays like the aesthetic of a modern climbing gym is kind of wild. Like it kind of is really impressive. Like no longer are we really expecting like kind of a, a pseudo rock feel and look to a gym. Like it's very geometrical. It's, it's very colorful and, you know, very clean. You know, we've moved away from, you know, taping all the roots to having everything monochromatic, which is amazing. 
um, actually. You know, it's got the workout spaces for other types of workouts that may be related to climbing, may not be, like kilter boards and hang boards and just free weights and, you know, exercise equipment. It's got like the, um, the yoga space, you know, the whatever, you know, like the bar, <laughs> you know, you get snacks, you get a smoothie. Like, so like the aesthetic of the modern gym and kind of the clientele, depending on where they are located, what they're trying to attract is very interesting. It's like, I remember going to this really nice gym. Um, this was a, maybe like eight or nine years ago, um, in Grand Junction, Colorado. It was a beautiful gym, kind of a newer gym. Um, and I was talking to the manager and I was actually really inspired by watching how people interface, like people who really weren't climbers, so to speak, interface with the gym. And they're like, yeah, most of our clients aren't really climbers like they come here because it's cleaner it smells better it's a nicer experience than going to a like weight room or another fitness center and they get climbing in as well as part of their workout and it's really just a workout versus like they identify as climbers and that's kind of a bigger part of our um of our clientele and the actual like hardcore climbers are a much smaller piece you know and i'm sure that changes no matter where you are um so it's really interesting to see kind of just the demographic change with a modern climbing gym. And um, yeah, so there's a, a, a modern climbing gym that opened up uh, near where I live. Um, it's the first gym of its type in this part of Maine. The other climbing gyms that are similar that have been around for several years are like three hours south of us. So we've never really had a nice kind of public gym, um, modern gym uh, available to us. And, you know, and I grew up rock climbing and ice, you know, ice climbing, obviously outside, like that's what you did. You went climbing outside, you bouldered outside, like you went outside and being outside was a huge driver of why you did these things. Um, not just the movement part, but like, I want to be outside and I've been climbing somewhat regularly at the new gym. And I've really enjoyed being in the gym, um, for one, um, and kind of the, the different movement styles and patterns that you do find in a gym environment versus outside, even though movement is movement, there is definitely a different movement aesthetic. Um, and this gym is very clean, very nice. Um, and like the cultural piece, but I'm also once again, getting more data on how people are learning in a gym environment what's being provided to them for education in the gym environment and the expectations that they're held to in a gym environment. And I've certainly seen the ramifications of this for a long time outside. Someone comes to me like, oh, I climb regularly at a gym in my, my home area. And now I come out and I'm like, oh, wow, you have so many bad habits. And I'm going to be blatantly honest. Gyms inherently, now this is a generality, gyms are just like, a petri dish of bad technical habits. I mean, I just can't say it any other way. Like belaying, you know, harness use, not tying, holy cow, figure eights, kind of like the worst in a lot of ways. And it's this, once again, this is an observation, it's not a judgment. You know, a lot of times gyms hire people who are just climbers. And then also now they become a climbing instructor. Like they don't, they may not have a background in climbing instruction. They may be super strong and that's a different skill set, but that's not a complete climber just because you're strong. So I'm just seeing the reinforcement of poor technical habits, poor 
kind of like safety habits, think about like partner checks, stuff like that, good communication in gyms. Um, because for one, I don't know why, but most gyms in the US still require people to tie a backup knot. I'm like, why? Nobody, I haven't taught that since the late 90s. Why are you teaching this? And everyone's like, oh, they say the insurance. I'm like, well, we have insurance and we don't have to teach that. It's, it's, it's not accurate. You know, it's false information. And then things like the loop going around the harness is huge and the tail coming off is huge and the knot tied is sloppy. It's like, it's like, you know, if you present people with a standard, like this is the standard that I want you to be at, they're more likely to hit it versus like, oh, you're, you're at a mediocre standard. If you only provide mediocrity as the standard, at best you get mediocrity, right? Nobody's going to go above and beyond or very few people are going to go above and beyond kind of naturally drift that way. So it's like you should be providing a high standard in the gym and be consistent with that standard. Um, like my local gym, like they require either a backup knot on the figure eight or Yosemite follow through if you're leading. And because me, and you know, I'm a little bit like <laughs> contrary sometimes, like I don't tie a backup knot. I don't use a Yosemite finish because like that's not the standard. Like I, I tie my knot to a higher standard, which is well-tied, well-dressed, tail at its appropriate length, and that's done. Nobody calls me out on it. They should. They should totally call me out. And there's a little power dynamic, I guess, because, you know, in my local area, I'm a... I, am known as a guide, but nobody calls me out on it. And I think they should, um, to be honest, but I keep doing it to see what happens. Right. Um, which is fine. So it's this very interesting how people are now coming to the gym, a larger, um, percentage of people now who are starting climbing are coming from the gym and gyms have been great because they have, they haven't made it completely fair you know, in terms of access to climbing, but they've certainly helped a, a lot of people access climbing that may, may not traditionally have access to it, um, which I think is really interesting. And the, you think about the gym as well, like the gym is kind of a sterile environment or a modern gym. And I don't mean sterile in a bad way. I mean, it's like People come in, it, it, it feels safe, right? You're inside, there's floors are padded, you know, there's, you know, there are rules. Um, you know, in many ways, gyms should be the safest climbing experience you have because it's a built designed environment, right? So there should be the least amount of risk in a climbing gym, you know, especially compared to outside. But we are seeing fatalities in gym, accidents in gym, like common enough where like, huh, this is a pattern auto blaze. That, that drives me crazy. You know, of course, bouldering, but bouldering is inherently dangerous. Like people think, oh, bouldering is great. It's like you're way more likely to get hurt bouldering than regular climbing. It just happens to be if you get hurt regular climbing, the accent tends to be a little bit more spectacular. But, you know, bouldering gyms, I'm like, holy cow, how many ankles do they break in a bouldering gym? But there's, there's these, these problems in modern gyms and some of it's that you can't design it out. Some of it's an education problem, right? Not necessarily a design problem. I mean, there's even AI coming out about warning climbers if they're on an autoblay, whether or not they actually have their, you know, autoblay. I mean, it's just like we have computers to tell us this. 
Like we're climbing on rope. People should recognize that you're on rope, whether it's belaying somebody else or an auto blade. Like this is a real deal. Like you need to check your stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't fault people for wanting and being uh, intrigued and attracted to like this clean modern environment, right? But when they take kind of like their habits that they develop inside that are pretty, sometimes pretty poor. And remember the gym is like the perfect place to instill excellent foundational habits in people because people are going to do oftentimes what they first learn. Like this is the place to do it. And it's being, the ball's being dropped pretty hard, which ends up being people being dropped pretty hard, right? And, but anyways, there's so much potential in gyms and there are gyms who do an excellent job, right? There's a whole spectrum of attitudes in gyms from gyms that are, are run by guides and climbers who really want to provide an excellent experience and an educational opportunity to, to train people to be good climbers, whether it's inside or they want to transition outside. Some gyms are just like box stores. It's like, it's a, you know, let's get the people in, let's go rock climbing because that makes money, you know, whatever. Like there's all kinds of reasons why to do that. But this fundamental shift in people's initial experiences and access to climbing over the decades has really accelerated as everything has accelerated in the last 20 years, right? Um, to a very different thing, in my opinion. Um, and the other thing that's very interesting, I think, in the gym is that there's a cultural piece that a lot of gym climbers aren't picking up. Now, we can debate whether or not how we view conservation and being outside and, you know, historically whether or not that's correct or flawed or the way it should be done. But in a gym, people aren't necessarily getting the cultural piece of how to take care of an outside space. So we're seeing way more impact in an outside space from climbers. And it kind of blows me away because I'm always like, my assumption is like, well, we're out here in, the, in this natural beauty. We should preserve that. Yet you're leaving trash on the ground. You're leaving orange peels on the ground. Your gear's everywhere. It's an explosion. It's a visual noise at the cliff. Like they may be more connected to the movement part and the challenge part because that's where what one of the things gyms highlight. And now we're outside and, you know, for the rest of us, it's cool to be attracted to the movement part, but can you just pick up your stuff? Can you be really respectful to this environment and to the people around you? So some of that gym to crag, just cultural piece, isn't being added in, right? Closure. How many people in the gym actually learn about closure? And now they take this lead class in the gym where the bolts are really close together and all of a sudden they come outside and they're, you know, the ropes are perfectly cut in the gym to be long enough and they come outside and they've never been taught closure and all of a sudden people are getting lowered off the ends of the rope. People are repelling off the ends of the rope. That's a foundational skill set that you should add in early um, to a gym. The local gym here does a, actually a really nice job. They require people to put closure in the system when they lead climb, even though the ropes are the right length. There is closure in the system on the top ropes, which is awesome, right? So there's just a lot of things that are interesting culturally and technically and educationally that, that are happening and not happening in gyms, right? that kind of are building this kind of gym to crag piece. So it's not uncommon for me to 
come in contact with people who are in that transition. And I have to do a lot of like explaining and like going backwards a little bit. Like we need to clean up all your stuff. Like you're not is kind of a mess. Like we need to, we need to start there. Your harness isn't on quite right. Right. You're not quite using this tool quite right. Like let's, let's back up a little bit. Like let's, you got to learn how to coil a rope. Right. And there's a piece of me that recognizes that having come from a different generation of climbing, you know, getting introduced into climbing and skiing and being in the mountains and recognizing the world's different now and people are, you know, what people's expectations are different and trying to be okay with that. Like, okay, the, it's just, a di- it's not, it's not apples to apples anymore. It's kind of like at the very least different types of apples to different types of apples, right? It's not the same type of apple anymore. And it might even be more apples to oranges because people are just in a different place and their expectations are different. Whether that's right or wrong, I, I'm not here. I'm not an authority on that. And, and who is really? But it's just interesting to note like, huh, here are some common things that are happening because of this process that's going on that has evolved over time. And is that evolution good or bad? It's both. There are many pieces of the modern gym evolution that are amazing. And there are some pieces that aren't. Um, that are doing a disservice to those clients, um, to be honest. So I, I do think the gym to crag piece is important. Now, as we get these people outside, it's really important to, once again, go back to the fundamental stuff. Go back to really good partner checks, really good belay techniques, right? Really good knot tying, right? Closures and systems, right? Conservative ways of doing things, maybe introducing ground anchors, better, a better understanding of belaying in general, like stance and where you are to the root. Because a lot of times if you're in a gym, you might have a gym with belay bars. Most gyms do now. And... The ropes are oftentimes double wrapped in the belay bar to add more friction. Well, when someone's outside climbing, there actually may be a lot less friction in the system if the rope's just running through carabiner. So they're just not ready for the forces involved in just a, a, just a normal top rope, right? So what they could kind of do in the gym doesn't really translate to what they can do outside, right? I, don't, I have some examples for that, but I won't get into that anymore. Um, so I think it's really important to, once again, educate people try to explain where, where the standards are outside and why that may be different than what they learned inside and how we need to potentially take what they learned in the inside and, and evolve it into a, potentially a better standard for the outside, right? It's super important. The other thing that's really interesting about the gym to crag person is as they are coming out of the gym environment, right? And... It's common knowledge that many gyms grade the roots with a softer scale, right? And that's because they want their clients to feel successful, right? That's one reason. Like, oh, well, the grades are going to be a little softer, so people are going to feel like they're progressing better. And there's all kinds of like, you know, management of gyms to actually change the the root grades, like the, the bubble of where the grades are, depending on where you are in the time of year, especially like around college gyms, you know, like beginning of the semester versus late semester, you know, just purely just to kind of like 
get people excited, don't get them hurt too early, and then you know make them feel really like they're really on top of the world. And also just think about the gym climbing environments. Like, you know, you can climb these like wildly steep routes sometimes or steep overhanging routes on just giant buckety holds. Like the climbing style is not necessarily um what the average climbing style is outside, which is fine. But then people now are have an over inflated sense of their movement skills and what climbing is in terms of reading a route and they go outside. So they go climb. The classic example here is like they climb in this gym, monochromatic, beautiful, fun movement, you know, steep buckety holds. And then they go out to Clifton, which is all like tweaky slab granite crystal pinching climbing. And they're like, holy cow, this route must be 511. Like this route's 57. You know, it's like, it's a very different style. The bolts aren't that close together, right? There's definitely some consequence just by the nature of the climbing, but also just the spacing of the bolts. So like, they're not ready to be in a real world climbing scenario because they might have the fitness, but they don't have the mindset. It's, it's a, it, it is a kind of a phenomenon now that people are in the gym are super strong, like crazy strong, but have a very low tolerance for risk, which is fine. I have kind of a low tolerance for risk, but then they go outside because they're interested in that. And all of a sudden, the climbing style doesn't match up. The anchoring potential doesn't match up, whatever. They get themselves over their head too quickly because outside climbing is very different than inside climbing. Now, there are some crags, like the classic one in New England is Rumney, which is really well bolted. It's schist, so a lot of the steeper climbs are pretty buckety. It's got texture, kind of like a gym. So it's like, it's a great kind of gym to crag um, venue because it it's still outside climbing and it has those trappings of being outside, but it's a lot closer to a gym climbing experience, partly by design of the people who developed it. Right by bolting it really well, having really good lower off hardware that doesn't require you to do a thread through um, lower off oftentimes. So it's like by design. So a lot of people go there, and there's and there's the spectrum of five three to five fifteen bolted routes. So it's a great spectrum for people to climb there. That is not the norm for most crags, and I think more newer crags are trying to bolt things in a way that actually takes into account someone who is competent or comfortable or at that grade, but not any higher. It's like, I'm going to bolt this route, this lead route, this 5.7 lead route, for example, for someone who's like a 5.7 leader, not someone who's a 5.10 leader, right? That's kind of an older school mentality. And, and that's another whole debate and topic. I've certainly kind of progressed into bolting routes now when I'm bolting moderate routes. Like, this is, I'm bolting this route for someone who's leading at this grade or wants to lead at this grade, not for someone who leads at a couple grades harder, right? Because nobody wants to get hurt on a climb and I'm, I'm rat bolting it. So, you know, a bolt here or there extra really changes the risk profile on a route um, as long as it's thoughtfully done. So that phenomenon as well of people coming outside who have an inflated sense of their movement skills, and sometimes they are really fit, but they're used to being in a gym where everything's protruding, it's bright colors, it's monochromatic, and now they just see a blank wall, right? And they're like, where are the footholds? Where are the handles? Where does the root go, right? And that whole transition is a pretty interesting one too. So there's this really interesting transition from the gym to crag um, piece that is, or multiple transition, it's 
its movement skills and, and root reading skills, its cultural awareness and conservation and how do we how are we good stewards and good climbers at a crack, especially now as more people are going into the activity, especially through gyms. So more people want to come outside. So we're just seeing more congestion, especially any places that are close to urban centers. So how do we deal with that congestion? That deals, that's an education piece to help people be good stewards when they're outside. Then there's the whole technical side of things, right? Starting from very fundamental skills, right? To the more advanced things of building top rope anchors, lead climbing outside, sport climbing outside, you know, repelling, right? Maybe even like, you know, multi-pitch sport climbing like this, Area Rumney has a classic 5-3 clippity duda that's like, I think it's like three pitches of sport climbing. You know, so someone who's uh, fit and can sport climb in the gym could go do this multi-pitch sport route, right? Which is cool because it's, it's for, for a lot of people, that's, that's very mellow climbing. But, you know, there's more skill sets that are required in, in a multi-pitch environment, especially if you have to repel the route, even if you don't, right? Um, so it's just a very interesting piece. Um, and I would love to offer some classes at a gym and, and to get people to kind of be more aware of like, oh, there really is a pretty big difference out there. And I think mo- a lot of people are aware of that, but there's certainly sometimes some unconscious incompetence about the realities of coming from designed environment both structurally in terms of the physical space, but also structurally in terms of the education and the oversight of a gym to now kind of like outside, which has a very different structure, right? It's not necessarily designed for your safety. You could put bolting as, yes, that is designed for your safety, but now you're in this natural environment that has all the other factors at play. Um, That's very interesting. So the gym to crag movement I find very interesting. I, I like working with that, that demographic for sure. And I love seeing people getting excited about taking their interest of climbing and bring it to an outside space um, for all the things that you gain from that. So topic in my mind.